Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome into another episode of the CHGO Bulls Podcast presented by Points Bet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Across from me, it's our guy Mark K back at the building at MK Hoops on Twitter and hanging out down there. It's Will the Goat Gottlieb back from Vegas, still alive and still on Twitter at Won't Gottlieb. We are CHGO underscore Bulls on Twitter. Um... Breaking news, right as we are underway now, Sham Sharanya just confirming that the Suns have matched the Pacers' four-year, $133 million maximum offer sheet on DeAndre Ayton, basically just minutes after the Woj tweet saying that he had officially signed that offer sheet. Uh, So, crazy stuff. But first and foremost, Will, welcome back. I'm glad you're alive. That's interesting. I remember a certain Will Gottlieb uh, just about five seconds ago saying he thought they were just going to let him walk for nothing. You can't prove that. <laughs> I really wish that we had. I just wanted more drama. Also, Mark, is that a finals MVP trophy behind you? Uh, yeah, it is. It's a replica. That's a replica. It's nice. On the, on you're, the my, you're my MVP. finals MVP. You're my <laughs> finals MVP. I'm really glad that you're joining us today. But wait, no, how did you get that here. if you predicted the Suns were winning the title? Well, it wasn't necessarily <laughs> from this season. This oh, was back okay. from my playing career, my, my storied playing career. Don't you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> no, for some oh, reason okay. that got deleted from my memory. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Much oh, like my take, that the Suns wouldn't wouldn't match the uh, the offer sheet there. <laughs> that was so quick. I I mean, it was literally like five minutes. Yeah, there it is yeah. from Sham Sharanya. That was just like as we were playing our opening credits. There, that news came through. Well, uh, so, you know, we were going to obviously talk about the Bulls' uh, win in their Game 4 of Summer League, but because this news just broke, let's start with that. What was your guys' reaction to Indiana being the team that finally um, had at least a semblance of a deal in place for Aiden, and now the reaction that after all of that, you know, heeing and hawing, the Suns decided to match it and keep Aiden there? Like, are you glad he's not coming to the Pacers? Would you have felt threatened by that team more so if Aiden joined Indiana? Mark, what about you? 
Uh, not not initially. I wouldn't have felt threatened because they're still a, a young team. They're, you know, there would have been a good, good nice core. And I, and I assumed he was going there based on how everything had sort of transpired with the Suns. But now I'm sort of like, what the hell is Phoenix doing? Like, I, I just don't understand it from their perspective, I guess. Like, they, it sounded like they wanted to get rid of him. It sounded like Aiden didn't want to be there. It sounded like Monty Williams and maybe CP3 and Ant Booker. Maybe they didn't necessarily want him there either. And then, I don't know, they obviously, he obviously had to go out there and get a restricted uh, free agent offer. It kind of made sense for the, for it all to part ways. Clearly, the Nets didn't want John, DeAndre Ayton in any part of any Kevin Durant deal as well. So I guess it kind of makes sense for the Suns, assuming they, 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 that they can mend the relationship here. But at the same time, like if, if that's not possible, then what the hell does this, does this mean for the Suns? But yeah, it's interesting because I thought he was going to go to the Pacers because they had started to clear their cap sheet out in terms of waving guys to facilitate a max offer to to um to Aiton, which I guess made the threat somewhat real. I was surprised that maybe they didn't organize the sign and trade as well. Like if you get if you were going to lose Aiton, maybe maybe getting back Miles Turner kind of makes sense as well. But I don't know. Ultimately, it comes back on a on a max year uh, on a max deal, four year deal. Um, we'll see what it means for both teams really. But uh, it's probably probably a good thing for the Bulls. But at the same time, I wouldn't have thought the Pacers were going to. Well, you wouldn't have hoped that the Bulls would be contending with the Pacers in that, that you know, in that tier in the East anyway. Yeah, I kind of thought that this whole saga was going to go approximately like this. I mean, there was the chance that he was going to get moved in a Kevin Durant trade to a third team, but clearly the market for him getting a max contract was not out there. I think both in terms of the fact that there was only like one or two teams that could offer him a max uh, a max slot into cap space. Pacers being one of them um, and the other teams would have to sign and trade, which would take the Suns uh, agreeing and working with them. And they had their eyes set on KD. And so that I think kind of fell to the back burner. But if I'm the Pacers, I'm getting tired of waiting for the Suns to come to us and say, well, we've got this KD thing on the table. Now we'd also like to get some assets back from you so that we can move Aiton because the Nets don't want him. So I totally commend and applaud the Pacers for just saying like, all right, let's go after him. We got the space. Let's let's make the move here. Obviously, it didn't work out, but you put the pressure on the Suns. They clearly matched it and are now in a really tough spot for the next six months. I mean, from outside looking in, I don't think that that relationship is going to last much longer. I mean, I think he he can first be traded January 15th of 23. And it would not surprise me if he's out the door by the deadline at the very latest next year. I believe that he cannot be traded without his consent Correct. until next offseason. So uh, a lot still going on there, a lot brewing. And um, I would I would find it very hard to believe that Aiden is with the Suns at the start of next season. Yeah, I, th- I think that's still very much a possibility. It's interesting that they matched it that quickly and it, it kind of they can't they can't afford to let him go for nothing i mean right even yeah. though even though the the fences were broken or whatever like they cannot let him go for nothing they still have him as a trade asset um and i think the market for him on a max deal as a player as opposed to a restricted fee, free agent they'll probably be able to get a little bit more back for him so they're not because you won't be hard capping uh you won't be trying to facilitate a three-way team i think it'll be a little bit easier for them to move him but like i said they just they cannot afford to let him go for nothing and, and you know basically having him go out and sign an offer sheet somewhere else 
for them to know that they would confidently just match it could have possibly, um, you know, helped out the Suns financially uh, a little bit as opposed to putting down some even bigger offer for Aiden right out of the gate. And, you know, we know that they did not make that decision a year ago when all of those, you know, players in Aiden's draft class were getting those max rookie extensions. Um, but, uh, you know, it's basically exactly what the Bulls did with, with Zach when they got when he got that offer sheet from the Kings. It was like, okay, yeah, no, we, we want to keep you, but we wanted to see what the market was, and there it is uh, for Aiden. Do, do you guys think in any way that this would have impacted or could still impact what the heck the Pacers plan to do with Miles Turner? Do you think that Aiden not coming firmly supplants Turner playing for Indy into this coming season? Because I know that that's a name that Bulls fans have always had their eye on. Yeah, and then look, that was literally the point I was going to make next as to you know how that relates to, to the Bulls. It, this all probably has less to do with the Pacers as an as an on court product, whether you know Aiton was coming or going to Indiana. But it made sense from a what happens next with Miles Turner, and you know we've we've definitely speculated on this show, and you know pretty much every Bulls fan online, wherever it be, wherever it is, whether it's Twitter forums, whatever the situation may be, uh, Facebook, those places, we've all. Had um you know trade trade machine scenarios where we're shipping Vucci out for someone like Miles Turner or whatever the situation may be. Now, clearly by going for Aiton, that would have meant the end of Miles Turner in in Indiana. Maybe that changes things now, or maybe they're still steadfast in moving on from him. Well, obviously, time will tell. But I think that's where it does relate to the Bulls in the sense that the Bulls ultimately need still need to make a decision on Vooch. Like he's an expiring deal this season now. I mean, what, what are you doing with him? Like, are you signing him to an extension? Are you letting him play out his contract? Are you looking to trade him during the season at some point? Like, who, who knows the answer to that question? But maybe part of the question or the answer to that question relates to, to Miles Turner. So that, that's one thing that I wanted to come back to. But another way that this relates to the Bulls is the Suns are now $15 million into the luxury tax. So they've actually surpassed the Bulls as one of, uh, one of the teams that have now paying more tax than the Bulls. So that bumps the Bulls down to 25th in terms of all-time tax payments. So... um notoriously cheap owner uh, Robert Sava has uh, has left the Reinsdorf. So that's another thing that's uh, that I've got at the back of my mind, which is kind of annoying me right now. But uh, I think I, I saw somebody on Twitter that. say that this was the fourth time would, would be the fourth time that the Suns went into the tax. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. The, I don't know the number of times, but whenever they've gone in there, I'm, I don't believe they've gone in that much. I could be wrong and mistaken in that sense, but yeah, they've essentially gone. 15 million in, into the tax by by bringing Aiton back. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those other moves Must where, you, nice. you know, contending teams are making moves um, and uh, are looking to solidify what they're doing and get better. And uh, our Chicago Bulls are not. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is a championship contending team already. And, like, if, if we can take Michael Reinsdorf's word that they would pay the tax if they were a contender, then this is the kind of thing that they should pay the tax for. Now, I'm not ready to, to say all of that, but uh, from the Suns' perspective, again, you can't just cannot let him walk for nothing. I think they'll trade him. They'll still be able to you know, find a way to duck the tax or at least part of it. But for the Bulls, I, and I tweeted this out this morning, and maybe this is a conversation for another time because it is uh, a dark one, shall we say. Um, but basically, like you see all these teams getting better and as that happens, there's less and less incentive for the Bulls ownership to go into the tax because there are more teams ahead of you, which means you're further away from competing. And if you'll never spend, you'll never get closer. 
And if you're never closer, then you'll never spend. And that is just like the cycle that the bulls have been on and that they will continue to be on until they go into the tax. Um, we saw that thing yesterday about the Warriors cutting an $11 million check to each of the teams that are under the tax. Like, that's the reason. Every time, if the Bulls were to have used their full MLE and gone into the tax, that player wouldn't have been worth $10.4 million. It would have been worth uh, $25.4 million because that costs them the $11 million check that you know ownership was going to get from the BRI share. So I, I understand. It's like not hard to tell why they're doing this. Uh, does that make you understand it or, you know, agree with it anymore? Of course not. But these are, this is the incentive for them is to like retain revenue and it's a business. So I guess that's like part of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that just pushes the bulls further and further down the, the rankings and the standings every year and makes it harder and harder to compete to where, of course, they're not going to spend the tax now. They're not ready to compete. What's that thinking guy mean? Like where he's like pointing to his head and laughing and smiling. Like can't be a tax team if you're not a contender. <laughs> like that's yeah. exactly what I'm thinking. Well, about. it was the same as uh, same as like the uh, the quote from the Last Dance where he was talking about like coming in second. Like there's always that carrot to hang on to. It's just like just stay. It's just they're in the middle. This is the worst place to be, and it is the mentality of staying in the middle that keeps you in the middle, and that's where the Bulls will continue to be. Yeah, and I think that's what is frustrating for Bulls fans right now. Michael Reinsdorf said it on the record midway through that uh, season that we just saw the Bulls finally get back to the playoffs for the first time in five years. Um, yeah, if we're if we're heading towards that championship contention direction, we'll pay the tax because look around, all the teams that are contending for championships are paying the tax. But it it just it very much comes across as double speak and sort of a loophole to say, well. We ended up finishing sixth, and we got bounced in the first round. So that's not that's not competing for championships. So we don't want to pay the tax. Um, I, I think it's bullshit, but I think that's where we are right now. Um, and just you know. one one thing on Miles Turner because he definitely is now um, sort of an interesting candidate. I mean, the Pacers just basically salary dumped Malcolm Brogdon in order to create space to. Um, to make this offer sheet for Aiden, right? So I don't think they're going to do the same with Turner. He's obviously much younger and much more talented. He is not a good rebounder, and Vooch is a really good rebounder. So if they made that swap, I think that's an area where the Bulls are already pretty weak, and they would become maybe one of the worst teams in the league. But he is a solid shooter, although the numbers are, are fairly close to Vooch's. And one of the he is the league's best shot blocker from a blocks per game perspective. So he offers some different stuff, and I think... Just the age, um, he's going to end up needing a new contract as well, and who knows what it will command. But I think the larger question of like, what do the Bulls do at center, whether it's Vooch or otherwise, is going to need to be answered at some point in the next, I mean, 12 months at the very latest, because Vooch will expire. I mean, the answer is Justin Lewis, right? <laughs> what, what are the Bulls going to do at um... center? <laughs> I was going to say McCool Maker, or how you say McCool Maker. Like, that, that would be my maker. Uh... Who's getting yeah, a lot maybe, of love in the, the comments answer. already? Uh, yeah, he had he had a good game just now, you know. Um, so so let's talk about that game. We'll talk about the Bulls' summer league win over the Hornets coming up next here in just a minute. But first, today's episode brought to you guys by PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you're going to get those two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. But that's not all. If you make a fifty-dollar more first-time deposit. 
you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, including the on-deck Summer League Dale and Terry recap coming up from our guy Will here, dropping on allchgo.com tonight, tomorrow morning. Sometime soon. Sometime soon. Not, not sure. <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll even get a free T-shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. I wore my new Cubs one to Wrigley last night, and it looked hella good. That's 2,000 free bets, free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 more first-time deposit points bet. And you want to do that anyway because you're going to have a lot of fun. Maybe you'll make some money too. It's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching. Your favorite team primed for a comeback. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. PointsBet has more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Download the PointsBet app right now and use that promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Mark K, tell them what to do. You live your bet life. Yay. Boom. <laughs> What? That was such a weird yay. <laughs> extremely, extremely enthusiastic yay. Um, all right, so Bulls win eighty nine to seventy three. Um, the th- you know obviously we'll we'll talk a lot about Dale and Terry and his game, the game Marco had. Probably touch on Justin Lewis as well. We'll talk about McCour Maker. I just liked the way the Bulls pushed the pace in that first half to build themselves this lead. The Hornets were not. Uh, knocking down a lot of their shots and the Bulls were using that opportunity to make sure that they were getting those rebounds and then pushing the pace and transition and it led to a lot of good looks um, you know some from uh, from range and the Bulls had some guys actually finally making some threes in this game which has been a struggle through summer league but also just getting easy looks at the basket I like the way that they played with purpose and played with pace in that first half what stuck out stuck out to you guys yeah, I can I completely agree. And, and look, one one thing that I keep telling myself, especially over the last two games where the Bulls have looked better, is I'm trying to pass this all, you know, comparing who the Bulls have played in terms of their competition or relative to their competition, particularly when they got absolutely smoked by the Knicks. I was like, oh, this is this isn't ideal. But given the fact that the Knicks had some some real NBA rotation guys in their roster compared to maybe the Hornets who don't necessarily have that at the moment, that's what I was kind of trying to pass this game through. But at the same time, to your point, Matt, like. This was like a, a continuation of the previous game where it was maybe more or less, I'll say, of, of Dale and Terry on ball, more Carly Jones doing stuff on ball in that pick and roll, but generally turning defense into offense. I think that was what was quite noticeable for me. And and like that, particularly for someone like Dale and Terry, is how you can sort of ignite his offense, ignite the Bulls' offense. Um, there's been some stretches through summer league at um, through the first four games where the half-court offense has just been terrible for a lot of reasons, which you guys have noted. The fact that they don't really have a real on-ball guy that can just sort of go and get a basket on this particular roster. But, um, you know, when that is the case, you have to basically turn defense to offense. That's how you score points, and that's what they did today. And maybe that was just due to the fact that the, the Hornets don't necessarily have real NBA guys on their, on, this, on their summer league roster. But nonetheless, you play who you play, and... I thought um, the way they played on defense, uh, particularly Terry, and the way they turned defense to offense was super encouraging. And even in the half court too, like I like the way that Terry's been used the last couple of games. It's been, like I said, less on ball stuff, more off, um, more more scoring off movement, which is exactly how his role is going to translate into the actual season, assuming he plays. So I kind of like that. I, I I understand Will's point that he's been making on the show previously about now is the time to test 
someone like Dale and Terry to see what he can really do in terms of complete skill sets. But at the same time, I kind of like the way they've gone about it now where they're putting him in a, a more, I guess, facsimile type role as to what we may be seeing him during the season. So I, no surprise to me, at least, that Dale and Terry had his best game based on, on, his, on his new role. And no surprise to me, I completely agree with you. Um, the the Bulls, uh, I think, have really simplified things, and you have to credit the yeah. coaching staff for that. Like they just they made the game so much easier. I think tempo is part of that, where you don't really have to think; you just like put the ball on the floor and go to the basket uh, in tr- in transition, and even in the half court, where they're just like running Terry off these dribble handoffs, and he's got a little bit of advantage already, and he's able to get downhill. Like when you ask him to create space for himself. That's where he struggles when you put him in a position where he doesn't have to create space and he can just utilize his ability to attack the basket and his passing. That's where he can really shine. And so I think more and more throughout these four games, you've seen that. And then it kind of culminated today in a 20 point performance on super efficient shooting. And then you throw in a couple of made threes um, and some rebounding and some steals. And it's just like it's really good to see him put together a game that I think fans have been clamoring for this whole summer league because he hasn't really put up the big box score numbers so far. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy thinking that it's just a four game sample size. And and sometimes you talk about rookies over the course of their entire rookie year, have a game slow down for them, uh, you know, t- to use that phrase. And I think you've even already kind of seen a similar, but you know, shrunk down version of that with Dale and Terry through these four games, kind of figuring out, the, the ways um, and the spaces on the floor where he could be his most efficient and play most like, uh, you know, play to the strengths of his game. And I think that he did that um, today, unlike that game against the Knicks, where it was just like, you know, this is an ugly someone who's trying to create an ISO who's not an ISO creator, just disaster. He played to his mm. strengths today. Um, yeah. And shout out to our pal Troy in the comments uh, who said that Dalen showed more of his role with the real Bulls. He was brilliant today. I think. And we talked a little bit about that yesterday also, Will, as far as like what Bulls fans expect to see in summer league with these guys who are going to, you know, hopefully make their way into Billy's rotation for real, for real. And comparing that to what they're doing on a summer league court and what they're going to do and be asked to do on an NBA court and those things being pretty different. But I thought that the way that he um, created opportunities offensively for himself and his teammates, first and foremost, with his defense and then where he got his looks on the floor and scoring in transition was like spot on Dale and Terry kind of stuff that we were wanting to see. And you want to be able to develop some of those skills. And so in order to do that, you need to see where you start, you know, like what's the starting point here in terms of his ability to create space for himself and create offense for, you know, get to get his own shot and to set people up. And they need to, they need to put him in those situations to find out. And clearly I think he was, not quite there yet and so as i said like you you credit the the coaching staff for putting him now in a better position to succeed and but now you can start to develop those things like regardless of what role he's playing he's going to need to develop his handle a little bit and once he does that he's going to be able to have a little bit more shake beat guys off the dribble uh regardless of what role he's playing on this team or with the bulls or in the g league he's going to need to develop his three-point shot and they are going to start to have to like worry about what his form is and like tweaking his technique or just getting a bunch of shots up, whatever it may be. Um, You need to just sort of like have a a baseline foundation of information that you can use to start developing him. And I don't think any of this is to say that he won't be able to 
add to his game and refine some of those skills and work on stuff. It's just that this is where he is now. And it just so happens that like if he's playing in the big league, he's not going to need to be DeMar because the Bulls already have DeMar. Yeah. So so the way I look at Summer League is, and at least initially speaking, in terms of guys, can they you know impact a roster? Can they actually add to a rotation? He's like, what what can this guy do now where he can actually get into the rotation? What can he do that'll actually get him some some minutes? Um, and look, I'm not expecting a lot of minutes for for Dale in, in, in his rookie season, particularly if the Bulls are out here guaranteeing minutes for <laughs> Goran Dragic and the like. But I suppose, like, like if we think about it through that lens, like, what, what is he doing right now that can get him on the court, which will then enable him, you know, on-court, real-time development opportunities? Like, he had, I think it may have been his last basket. Uh, maybe I'm wrong in this, but essentially the Bulls, uh, they, they missed the shot, whatever it was, a three-point attempt. The, the Hornets cleared the ball. There was a live ball situation where it was sort of going nowhere, and it was a live ball. You know, Hornet player here, Hornets player there, Dale and Terry behind them both, but he beat them both to the ball, grabbed the ball, and then just took it to, to took it to the rim and finished over two Hornets players there. So he like basically turned a nothing play into a two point opportunity for the Bulls, and that was a situation where he scored a basket through traffic where. He didn't need to create off the bounce. No one needed to create a play for him. He sort of created that situation himself just by wanting the ball more or just being more um, more gritty, more, you know, putting putting in that hustle that maybe other players won't necessarily do. So I think that's initially how he gets on the court and where he can potentially find a role. In addition to, I really like what he did on ball today. I thought his screen navigation was much better today, today than what it's been in other mm-hmm. situations. So I thought his on-ball defense was good. So... From a rookie perspective, like if, if, if you can play decent on-ball one-on-one defense, if you can be a decent help defender, and if you can find opportunities to score when you're not necessarily creating for yourself, like he did when in the, in the play that I, I referenced before, or even getting out in transition and scoring on drives, um, like that, that that's how he realistically gets on the court for this upcoming ball season. So that's why I like today's performance most, because it was a, a reflection of, or at least an idea of, all right, this is how I see Dalen actually impacting the game for the balls, mm-hmm. not necessarily the summer balls, but the actual balls. Like, this is the template for him. Play like this in the regular season, or if you get the opportunity to, this is the exact way you should play to, to get some actual real minutes um, in the upcoming season. And yeah. one of the things that uh, John Bryant has been saying with regards to Dalen and his sort of uh, the way that he's getting his offense is to they're like having to continually remind him to hit singles and not home runs. I think that's exactly what you saw today. It was like yeah. Mark said in transition, attacking closeouts, um, coming off of handoffs with a guy on his hip and just like getting to the basket. Like those are hitting singles as opposed to like breaking somebody down off the dribble and hitting a step back elbow jumper. Um, and I think you're just seeing less and less of those. And that's like good uh that's good learning like you you you're able to take that away after four summer league games like we're talking about this stuff like he's been in the league for you know two seasons already it's been four summer league games and we're already seeing some progress we're already seeing him get more comfortable in a role that i think makes sense for him and add to certain elements of his game whether it's just like understanding uh of where to be and and how he is able to to get baskets or to make an impact on whatever facet of the game. So that, that, that to me is like all I, all I really wanted to see out of Summer League. Barton with an interesting comment about DT's leadership here saying so much can happen, but I'm genuinely excited to see where DT is in three years. I hope the vets encourage the development of his leadership on the court. That's 
obviously one of the first things we've noticed is how vocal he was. It's one of the first things that we heard out of their week of practices leading up to summer league is how vocal he was for a rookie in his first NBA practice. Um, Obviously, Zach and DeMar are the leaders of this team and will continue to be heading into next season. If you're talking about guys who are vocal and and vocally leading on the floor, certainly Alice Caruso fits that mold. And sometimes younger guys who try to do too much in the leadership category as rookies or, or as young players, the vets don't take too kindly to that and they put them in their place. But if it's seen as coming from a position of, in Dale and Terry's cases, we all believe it to be general or like a genuine enthusiasm and a genuine desire to win, then they will hopefully like that about Dale and Terry and not be put off by it. Do you guys, would you guys agree with that? I would hope. Um, but I, look, I'm not going to lie. Like when he was barking at the bench the other day, I, I can't yeah, remember that was intense. Also playing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if you can do that. Well, let, <laughs> one, let's see if you're on the court first to be barking back at your bench and, and you not being on the bench in that situation. But at the same time, like if you are on the court and you're barking back at your vets on the uh, on the bench or vice versa, like your vets are coming off the floor and you're barking at them from, from the uh, from the sideline, like that'll be interesting to see how that flies, assuming it does at all. But I, I won't lie, like that was a thought I had. Like maybe, maybe he's going to lead to learn his place soon, depending on... On, on how it sort of works out in terms of the roster and the chemistry. But at the same time, like the guys on the Bulls roster, there's not not a lot of egos, not a lot of douchebags. So in that sense, maybe they will welcome it and maybe it will be fine. Or maybe Dalen will know his place and, and he won't be out here being that super vocal, angry type of guy, but more so a hype guy. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I mean, there is a risk for him maybe being put back in his place. But if he's smart about it and understand where he actually fits into the, into the scheme of things, then I, I think it'll be a, a, a force for good more so than bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all just contextual. I don't think he's going to, like, come out there and start berating DeMar. Like, you just – you don't do that. Um, well, hopefully not. And, that, yeah, I just – I can't see that happening. So, uh, there, I think he – there are ways that you can do that that are, are more encouraging and less demeaning. And, you know, <laughs> he, he, he even mentioned, like, I am supposed to be doing that on this team and I did it and look what happened. We got a little spark. Obviously they still lost that game, but you know, he pulled the, uh, the cliche. We won the last two quarters line. So, uh, you know, he, he'll, he'll pick his spots. He's a smart kid, but um, certainly if you're, you know, yelling at Zach Levine because he missed a rotation, like that could not be so great. Leave that to me. Leave that to me. Uh, plenty more to get to in this game. We'll talk about Marco. We'll talk about McCure Maker, Justin Lewis. But first, Will the Goat Gottlieb, are you ready for your first ever full Athletic Greens ad read? I say this with uh, it's bittersweet for me because um, obviously I'm taking this because Dave isn't here, and that's sad to me. But I'll do it reluctantly. Uh, and also, you know, it could go really poorly. So here we go. You're just filling but, shoes for just like 90 just, seconds. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> just big shoes to fill. But I want to talk to you guys about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a supplement drink that I've been taking since we started our partnership back in March. And it's been helping me so much. I obviously, as I mentioned before, forgot to bring it with me to Vegas 
and was just feeling the effects for a solid <laughs> week in Vegas, which by the way, nobody needs to spend a full week in Vegas, period. <laughs> um, but I got back on my grind today. Got back in last night at like 1.30 a.m., went to sleep, woke up. First thing I did was hit the athletic greens. Uh, I need to get it back for my gut health. It's helping my energy. My immune system is already feeling revitalized. And it's just such a better way to take uh, vitamins and minerals because it's one scoop in some water. You shake it up and that's all it is for the day. So uh, you're getting your 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, probiotics, and Dave Watson's favorite, the adaptogens. 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 Yeah, it's a great blend of ingredients that supports your gut health and your nervous system and your immune system. And uh, it's been it's been helping me out a ton. So uh, I highly recommend it. It tastes good. Um, and it, like I said, it helps with your sleep quality and recovery. It helps with your digestion and it fits any lifestyle. It's gl gluten-free, keto, paleo. Um, Matt, I'm sorry, but I don't think it is meat only. So mm. you, you could have a problem there, but so it's dairy shame. free and gluten free. And the price is right, guys. It's $3 a day to invest in your health. So right now it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million pills or supplements. And it helps your health so much. So to make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is giving you a one-year free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, which you know I was bringing with me to South America. With your first purchase, all you need to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgobulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. How did I do? Great. Knocked Not it out of the park. Yeah. Not bad. Okay, great. I thought it was as going it was... really well until like the, the, the you should have hit the fifth or what, like the fifth or went yeah. on the five there. Like that's what Dave would have done. Is that what, what I was in waiting here? For. I, if so, I really did mess up. Well, the five free packs. I, I'm, I'm assuming oh, anytime right. I do five right. now, that's what I'm hearing. Like the fifth. <laughs> Shout out to Dave. Hope you're well, buddy. Well, you know what? You gotta, you don't want to just start copying the greats. You know, you want to you 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 find your own style. It. And I, I appreciate that you did hit the adaptogens, though, because that I mean that's one of the key takeaways. You know what I've heard that adaptogens <laughs> are really good for is building up your point guardsmanship. I think the two go hand in hand. I think the two go hand in hand. And thank you for dropping a point guardsmanship reference on the show, because I think we need one every day. That was just for you. That was just for you. I was not I was not thrilled with it when you and Big Dave went on a five minute tangent about point guardsmanship when we were in Vegas and I was struggling, but okay. we're just trying to fill airtime, my dude. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh my God. Hey, just, Hayes just said in the comments, Will's going to pass Dave as the best ad reader. No, please. Sir. No, please. Sir. We all know you're lying. Hayes, <laughs> you know that, you know, that locked on listenership that uh, we, we passed off to you and Pat. Yeah. A lot of that just came from people who wanted to hear big Dave read ads. <laughs> That's why those people are there. And you can't blame them. No, not at all. Um, all right, guys. Marco. Uh, I don't think, you know, we have to talk about him for uh, too long. Nothing crazy about today's game, but he did bounce back because his games two and three were pretty much like ghosting. Um, I can't remember what his stat line was in game three, but in game two, we had a single point. 
did not hit a shot from the field. This game, 17 uh, points, um, still didn't shoot particularly efficiently, just 6-14 from the field. Did have 13 boards, and then also what I really liked is the four dimes. Um, nobody ever really talks about Marco as, as like a big man who could pass the ball. We have seen what that did um, when Vooch was on the floor, being used as a sort of fulcrum to the Bulls' offense, swinging it to the other side, making beautiful passes to guys, making backdoor cuts or making passes to guys in, in corner three positions. I, I'm not saying that I think that Marco has that level of capability or even could, but for a Bulls offense that was moving and scoring a lot more efficiently in tonight's game than in some of these previous summer league games, it was nice to see Marco getting involved in the passing game as well. Mark, you talk. I need a break after that ad read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say something that wasn't overly positive, and I didn't know if I wanted to start on that, given that, that Marco did have a, a reasonable oh, game. Yeah. But like to me, whatever's on your mind. Oh well, like I keep coming back to this one, Mark, with Marco. Like I'm like I, I feel like he's too good for the G League, but then not good enough for the NBA. Like that's ultimately my position on him, and like that was kind of reaffirmed tonight. Like the, again, coming back to a statement that I made earlier, like thinking about the Hornets roster and, and who they have on it and the fact that they don't, they don't really have any really ready-made NBA guys on this roster currently. Like, I'm not surprised that he had a good game against Mark Williams and JT Thor and these sorts of guys, like guys who have potential but, but aren't necessarily just, you know, absolutely uh, ready-made NBA guys right now. So in that sense, it's good that he's able to get on top of that competition, but it, it just goes back to what I said. Like, it reaffirms that position that he can play well against g league level bigs but against you know potential nba guys um that, that's where i want to see him show out and do some things so and that's where i've been left wanting more in summer league and like the next game like i just can't get the next game out of my head jericho sims absolutely destroyed him and um that's that's an actual third string nba center and he got you know thoroughly worked in that situation. So I, I don't want to kill him too much because he did have a really good game. But like in terms of his passing, like he does have passing chops. But at the same time, are teams at the NBA level going to even you know be be fearful of him as a passer if he can't necessarily do a lot of things on offense? So oh, they will um, fear Marco. Do you see that no look behind the back pass he had in transition? I mean, in, come yeah, on. In trans- <laughs> That was interesting. That was cool. He's got some flair, so I've got to respect him and and uh, the fact that he's willing to uh, throw that throw that pass out. That like that was interesting. I'll give him that. But I don't know where I'm at with Marco to be honest with you. I, like I, I'm not convinced that he's going to make it. Um, I'm, I'm not. I don't think he's going to be a rotational guy. Like we can talk about Terry for ages and and how he potentially fits. Even I think you can make a bit a better case that Justin Lewis has more scope for um, being a real guy that can impact the rotation this season than yes. than. Um, yeah. Then uh, yeah. Marcus Simonovic. But um, look, well, time will tell. Uh, at the end of the day, he can only do what he can do. And 17 points, 13 rebounds, four assists. Like, that's a good game. I, I'll, I'll say that. Like, based on what he did today, I understand Mark Williams is a, you know, a, a mid lottery talent or a late lottery guy or just outside the lottery, whatever he was. But at the same time, he, he doesn't necessarily look ready to me at the moment. So I'm not taking too much away from this Marco game. Um, I haven't really seen anything that we haven't seen before, maybe apart from that transition behind the back pass. But I'm um, tipping if Marco Simonovic is running transition lanes for the Bulls in this upcoming season, then um, things haven't necessarily gone very well. <laughs> so I don't know how uh, reflective or um, or how much we need to actually be seeing that in the regular season. 
I uh, real quick, I do uh, kind of agree with this Connor comment saying Marco is too finesse around the rim. He did have a couple of looks at the basket through these four summer league games where I was like, yo, dude, you're 6'11, freaking dunk that. And instead, he would just like miss a layup. Like, you, you, you need to see a little bit of that, you're like, you know, angry, mean finishing around the rim, which, you know, we talked about how he used his body and his added muscle a little bit better as far as finishing through contact and some of his epic plays down the stretch of that game one win over, over Dallas, you, you saw that physicality on display. And then sometimes he just completely shies away from it. So Connor, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I, I've said this before in order to be good at basketball, you need to be like solid at two or three of dribble, pass, shoot, defend. And on any given night, I'm just not sure what you're getting from Marco. Like last night or tonight, I suppose, uh, he had some passing. He did show some flashes. And I think, you know, we talked about the half court offense um, trying to simplify things and him making plays in those pick and roll situations definitely helped. You saw that he's able to do that. Uh, John Bryant's talked about it. Um, and you saw it in the other game where he, you know, put up some numbers. Uh, but he was, I think, 0 of 2 from 3. He was missing a bunch of bunnies around the rim. Finished 6 of 14 from the field. Um yeah, I mean, it's just going to be an up and down thing. And with these young guys, especially ones that are not like going to be really impressive NBA level players, like you're going to have ups and downs. And so you'll have these games where he puts up some numbers. You'll have games where he scores the one point and you just kind of have to take it in stride because he's not a superstar player. And so they're trying to develop him. Uh, they obviously brought in. Andre Drummond and they brought back Derek Jones and they have Justin Lewis on the two way. And so there are a lot of bodies that can play that those four or five positions, um, not to mention Patrick Williams. So I'm not expecting him to be a big time contributor during the, the regular season for the bulls, but you know, all, all he can do is just keep trying to do the stuff that he's good at. And having that passing aspect in his game is a really valuable skill for a big man like that. I think it's just the consistency with, you know, the the finishing, the shooting from deep and being in position to play good defense, because I think we can all agree he's not like really moving his feet and switching on the perimeter. Yeah. No. So, so for me, yeah, he's certainly not doing that. But like coming back to what I said before, like what can he do right now? Like we talked about Terry, like what he can do right now to get on the court. What can Marco do right now to get on the court? And to me, like the one thing that I wanted to see in in summer league was shooting. Like the Bulls need shooting. They need front court shooting specifically. The guys that they have behind Vooch will never shoot a three. I never want to see Andre. I mean, Andre Drummond may shoot a three because he's a dope, but I never want to see him doing that. Um, <laughs> Andre but Drummond I, catching like, strays here. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the, the, where Marco has some, some scope here is the fact that maybe he could be a shooting bit. I think I, I look. I don't think he's hit a, a three-point shot in summer league at this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like 0 he's over two 10. today. I feel like he's maybe hit one. Yeah, look, yeah. If it's he's it's hit been one, a lot of misses. Yeah, if, if he's hit one, then he's hit one, and it's literally one. So, like that's to me like he was his avenue to get on the court. That's how he could have got on the court. But, you know, it's nice that he's got maybe some some passing chops and these sorts of things. He can do some things off the bounce potentially, but ultimately they're not the things that are going to get him on the court. And we certainly know his defense is not going to get him on the court either. So like it was really going to be his shooting and spacing that theoretically was going to get him some minutes. And I haven't necessarily seen that in summer league. And that's probably been the biggest disappointment in terms of Simonovic in the sense that 
that if he had come on as a shooter and really improved in that area, then there's some scope to be to be talking about all this ancillary stuff. Like then maybe your passing ability as a center becomes more more valuable if you have the ability to play in that pick and roll situation, pop in those situations. Maybe you, you get the ball in that sense. If you don't, if you're not jacking up a three, then you're swinging the ball to the corner on the opposite side. So like, but if he doesn't have that threat of a shooting option, then you know the rest of his game disappears. So. That's why I'm kind of out on Marco at this point, unless he really develops that jump shot, whether it's the full three-point shot or even just you know a step or two inside. You know, if he's not providing spacing, if he's if he's not giving the ball something different than what they're already getting in their backup um, center um, rotation at the moment, then I, I just don't see how he gets on the court. So that's where I'm ultimately out with him. And quick fact check on that: I stand corrected. Marco collectively in four summer league games, zero of nine from downtown. There you go. And yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be somebody that replicates Vooch's skill set, right? Like he's supposed to be somebody who can play making short roll, who can shoot a little bit and who can post up a little bit uh, and who's going to play like fine drop coverage. And I just don't think he's there with really any of those things yet. But again, 22 years old, he's learning English. He's learning the U.S. He's learning, you know, the game so far. And he is able to play at a high level in the G League. So we'll see you know, to Mark's point, if he's able to translate that at all. But uh, yeah, you do kind of have to take some of these good games with a grain of salt because they they sort of even out with some of these one point games every, you know, every other time. Uh, all right, let's get to Justin Lewis now. Um, I see uh, Eco Bean's comment saying that Lewis has been impressive, not a stat stuffer, but knows his role. <laughs> Will, I know you're excited to talk about Justin Lewis today. I saw a couple of those vids. Uh, of some of his better play in tonight's game that you clipped and put up on Twitter. Uh, You know, talking about, as Mark was talking about, you know, where does Marco fit in in the NBA and with his body, where where can he excel? And uh, Justin Lewis is four inches, five inches shorter than Marco Simonovic, but looks better equipped to guard certain bigs in the NBA. And you've kind of seen that in some of these summer league matchups. Yeah, he's, I mean... He's still a ways away. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself here, but Go crazy. when you talk when you talk about like six seven forwards who have seven two wingspans who can shoot and move their feet and are strong enough to sort of defend the post, like he even said it, like PJ Tucker, Jay Crowder, that's the kind of guy he wants to be. And that's the kind of guy every single team in the league needs to have on their roster if they want to make a deep run. So the skill set is there. He has a lot to learn. Um, the shooting needs to come around. I think right now he is best equipped as a help side rim protector. That's how we got those two blocks on Mark Williams today. But, you know, a play that stood out to me was defending and cutting off a drive uh, of Jaden Hardy in that first game against the Mavs. Like that dude is a talented bucket getter in that high, you know, high key area. And so top of the key area. And so he was able to cut off a drive there and force a kick out. Like that's awesome to see. Um, and so if he can start to string some of those kinds of plays together, if he can clean up his jumper, it's a little wonky right now, not a super smooth or quick release. Uh, and then just start to like learn the game a little bit better. He's another really young guy, but I think the Bulls really have something in him in terms of the kind of player that he is and that he can become because of how valuable that position is. And it's the same thing we saw with Patrick, right? Like the Bulls don't want to trade Patrick Williams for Gobert because Patrick Williams is a big wing defender, power forward, and Gobert is a, you know, relatively immobile five man who's only going to be able to to pop and dive. So you can't have enough of those guys. Uh, The Bulls are lucky that they got him undrafted. Like he easily could have been a high second round pick 
And now they'll have the opportunity to develop him with the Windy City Bulls and hopefully get some minutes. I think the cap for two-way guys is 50 games in the NBA, but I would love to just throw him in there and see what he's able to do because there's pretty much no one on this team that is between you know 6'6 and 6'9, and it's basically him and Patrick Williams. Yeah. And look, that's why he's very interesting to me. Um, look, just more generally, like what we saw from him today in terms of the way he was reading on defense, particularly on defense, the way he was getting in position as a, an off-ball specifically, like getting to getting to the position before the defensive, oh, sorry, the offensive player had even got there before, like he's reading the play ahead of time. That was really appealing to me. Um, there was there was one, it may have been when he, on one of those Williams blocks where he from the weak side position, sort of rolled into the um, into the paint, was there before Mark Williams even caught the ball. Williams then sort of tried to make a move and Justin Lewis was there to to challenge and then ultimately block the shot. So like that helped defense. I think he's really intriguing uh, more generally. But to your point, Will, like the Bulls just don't have any power forwards on this freaking roster. Like, I mean, whether it's DeMar DeRozan, whether it's Patrick Williams, like that's literally, literally it. Uh, aside from that, then you're, you're banking on, you know, going three, four guard lineups basically. So, And has... they don't have any, they don't have any like two-way guys. Like he could be yeah, a three yeah. and D. Like he just, he fits such an important role on this team and every team. And I just really want to see him have a chance to develop because we know the Bulls have struggled with that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And look, I think he probably has more scalability from... It's interesting because I feel like Patton is probably kind of the same way as well. Like they're fours, but to me, they're probably more four fives than four threes, if that makes sense. Like I have more confidence scaling them up than down. So in that sense, they're both similar. I would have liked maybe one of them to be able to scale down in terms of guarding twos and threes and maybe ones, but I don't don't think either of them can necessarily do that. But at the same time, like to your point, like the Bulls just don't have these four options on on the roster. So in that sense, like I'm kind of... Not disappointed, but like I, I almost want this guy on the roster as a guaranteed guy because I don't want to be in a situation where you can only put him in, into rotation for 50 games in the season because he is a two-way guy. I understand that maybe there's a lot of areas of his game that uh, you know he needs to work on and will ultimately keep him back as a rookie. But coming back to the thing that I said before, and I sound like a broken record at this point. We're like, what, what are you gonna? What can this guy do to get on the court in his first season? And to me, his defensive rotations and, and seemingly his ability to to understand what's happening defensively is a thing that a coach, like probably almost first thing, or well, the foremost thing that they think about is like, how how can this guy help us defensively? Like that's what gets you, what gets um these younger players on the court. And to me, at least. He has that ability to get on the court from a defensive standpoint more generally, but given the, the, the Bulls' limitations at power forward, uh, I think he makes sense um, to really actually be on a guaranteed deal. But um, Yeah, and look, it would not surprise me if they went that direction. Like, they could wave and stretch Tony Bradley and yeah. well, bring... Yeah, we'll, well, they could. I'm not saying they will, but they could and, no, and no. elevate him to an NBA contract. So if it were me, I think I would much rather have more sort of bites at the apple with those big wing guys than, you know, have four or five centers on the roster sitting on the bench waiting for somebody else to get hurt. I don't I don't disagree, but um, I won't go into a Reinsdorf-related uh, rant again, but it's just obviously comes with um, potential cap ramifications, which is why I was skeptical in that sense. But yeah, I think there is, there is real scope for him to being a rotational guy at some point this season. Um, you know, if we talk about one, one or two guys going down from injury, the Bulls will... If Pat goes down... I'm not even going to say it's a bad injury, but like if he's out for two or three weeks, then who's playing? Playing who's playing power forward for this team? Uh, Derek Jones Jr., I suppose. J- 
Javante, like, are we going back to that situation where you're going really small, or do you want to try and put in a guy like like Justin Lewis, who's a legit six six foot seven, who is even right. challenging, in my opinion, Pat, for the thickest thighs on the team. Like, he's he's a he's a big big dude. So I would like to give him give him that opportunity, and I'm hoping the Bulls maybe see that and and recognize that, and at some point he gets on a, on a guaranteed deal. But time will tell. AJ, I, I, I believe. Comments. Sorry. Just real Just, quick, AJ Katz in the comments agrees, saying he wouldn't be surprised to see that Lewis deal get bumped up. Go ahead, Will. I was just going to say, I'm not sure what the deadline is, but I believe there's a date at which point the Bulls can wave and stretch Bradley and still stay under the tax if they sign a new player. So, um, no I, time I like the possible. present, right? Why put off? Well, I think I think there's a I think there's a deadline. I think there's a yeah. deadline where it becomes like the amount that you save from stretching it. Like you've already paid out a certain portion of it. And I don't know. Yeah. And look, so this conversation about Justin Lewis looking good in summer league and maybe being a, a gem find as an underactive free agent because of in, in large part, this body type that he has and the way that he already looks capable defensively and switchable defensively and not really having any other players that size with that skill set other than Pat right now, it kind of makes you wonder about certain parts of last season when it like, are the bulls playing this small because they have no other options and they have to, or are the bulls playing small because Billy Donovan likes to play small because it seemed like both of those things were true throughout large stretches of last season. Well, you need to be able to, in order to play small, you need to have skill. And I think like the guys that were the most skilled just happened to be much smaller and had to stretch themselves a little bit like Derek Jones would have been a great small ball four, but he just wasn't skilled enough to play because he can't shoot the ball at a high enough level where like Javante was a little bit more reliable there and like sacrifice some, some size and length, but you're able to get away with that a little bit more easily because he can still, you know, in addition to being able to like back cut and score on lobs, he can also like spot up and shoot a corner three every once in a while. But I, I think it's more like a roster limitation than it is a Billy Donovan preference, right? Like there just aren't those guys on the roster and there need to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to comment on that until we know that he has real real guys that he can run through there. Like the Bulls just didn't have many playable backup bigs last season. So maybe that was by design, maybe that was just by the uh the the you know, what was in place and the context around that. But um that that still remains now. Like we we, we won't really know the answer to that until until there's some legitimate bigs on this roster. Um, before we get out of here real quick, just a thought or two on uh, McCurr Maker, who did put uh, his biggest uh, stamp on any of the Summer League games thus far in this one tonight, managed 11 points in just 13 minutes, including knocking down both of his three-point attempts. Um, maybe one of my favorite Summer League overreaction comments from earlier in this feed was someone suggesting that, yeah, cut Tony Bradley and sign McCord Maker. Um, I hope you were, Jess. I hope you were saying that in jest. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, do you guys see NBA uh, potential in him? You know, Will, we were kind of marveling at his, like, his frame, his body when we were at one of those first two Summer League games last week. He's He's got something, and he's certainly got a, a pretty decent-looking shot for a guy his size. I just... I don't know if there's a spot for him. Maybe he plays with Windy City this upcoming season, but I, I don't know. I think that's kind of where I see the line ending. Yeah, I mean, he's got some tantalizing skills. Like, th there are a couple of plays where he's hitting step-back threes, and, like, as a seven-footer, 
you see that and you're like, okay, well, maybe we've got something here. But again, like the Bulls have Vooch, they have Andre Drummond, they have Simonovich, they have Tony Bradley, and they have backup five, Derek Jones Jr. Like there just isn't space or reason to bring in another guy like that. If you want to bring in another five, it's got to be somebody who can, you know, who can switch somebody like Justin Lewis or, you know, whatever, like some option who gives you a change of pace. It can't just be another big tall guy that you hope can shoot, but you're not super confident that he actually can. So he's young. He could develop a little bit. I think he's definitely a G league player at this point, And maybe they want to bring him onto that team. That'd be fine. But I don't see him really making an impact on the NBA level, despite some pretty impressive like scoring and dribble moves there the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I feel I feel the same. Like he, he's either going to be a guy that goes into the G League that tries to forge an NBA path that way, or as he was doing last season, playing in the NBA and you know playing overseas somewhere and trying to get through into the NBA in that sense. I don't think he's good enough for a guaranteed deal. Maybe he lands on a two way. Maybe he lands on the Bulls on a two-way. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they still have one two-way open. Maybe that's where he, he can sort of get on, on or get some traction in that sense, I suppose. But I don't know. Time will tell. Um, it could be another team that gets that's, that gets him on a two-way deal. But um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that he's going to make the actual roster. I don't think he's going to get a guaranteed deal. There's some interesting appealing aspects of his game, as there are of a lot of these players at this point. You know, in some league, there's some interesting players, but um, I'm not convinced that he's an NBA player. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. Like, it was nice and it was fun to see him, you know, put a little bit of a juice on that game tonight, but not quite the same level of prospect that his cousin Don Maker was. I mean, Don Maker, I think he went, what, like 10th overall to the to the Pistons in, in yeah. whatever draft class that was, and uh mccure maker just went undrafted in 2020 yeah every, everybody wants to hit on that next like seven footer who can shoot and block shots and there there's a reason why there have been so many misses and so few hits like you, you got to try them out you got to give yourself a chance but for the most part it's just really rare to find those guys and like i said maybe maybe there's something there and he just needs to develop a bit and maybe he does that with the windy city bulls but uh just based on what we've seen in summer league i don't really see him making an NBA roster, let alone cracking a rotation. Uh, yeah, and our guy Troy here in the comments pointing out uh, he might actually still have a contract uh, in the NBL with the uh, the Sydney Kings. Mark, are the Sydney Kings the equivalent uh, as far as just like organizational dysfunction that the Sacramento Kings are in the NBA? Are they, uh, are they, are, are they not the, you know, hashtag Kongs of, of the NBL? No, I, I mean maybe in years past, but certainly not recently. I think they've they've gotten their shit together uh, over the last few years. But um, yeah, I don't even get me started on the NBL. I mean that that's a frustrating competition. But hopefully it's on the men's um, and getting better year on year. But uh, they're certainly not the Sacramento Kings. They, if, if anything, they like to think of themselves as the of the glory, you know, destination. So maybe they think they're the Lakers or the Knicks or something like that. But yeah, don't get me started on the NBL because I've I've, I've I've lost too many teams in the NBL, too many teams that have come and gone in terms of mergers or acquisitions or they're just scrubbed from the league, all that sort of stuff. So um, the NBL is a sore spot for me. And yet here you are day in and day out, still with the Bulls after just years and years of frustration <laughs> since 1998. That's, I mean, that's Some would call me an right idiot. Hey, Some man. would call well, me an idiot and I would uh, we're all idiots. agree. You, me, <laughs> Will, everybody in this chat. All idiots. Hey, man. It's yeah. fandom. It is what it is. That's what it is. 
Uh, That's all right. Job. So, uh, Three and one is the Bulls' record here in summer league. I don't we I don't think we know until all of these other games conclude whether or not the Bulls will get a shot at playing like you know the the little mini summer league tourney playoff whatever. Um, but they certainly helped their chances by getting this win today. We'll see. I mean, would be pretty dope to uh, you know have another summer league banner hanging in the Advocate Center. Um, Denzel Valentine ain't walking through that door, so somebody's got to step up. <laughs> I think if you, you lose know, you, by 30 in one of these games, you're immediately disqualified. Yeah, that, that did not help their point differential, which I saw after their win tonight and it was updated was still like negative 1.2 or something after that hideous Knicks game. If the Bulls win the Summer League title, they should have Denzel out there sort of awarding or, or, sh- or handing the trophy off to, to you know, Dale and Terry or something like it that. It should be the, the Denzel the Valentine Summer League final <laughs> yeah. most valuable player award. And, and instead of a basketball as the trophy, it's just uh, like a bust of Denzel's head. <laughs> with, a copy of his, with a copy of his album. <laughs> I, I feel like we could do without that part. Yeah. Uh. All right, y'all, that's it for tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us in this live post-game edition of CHGO Bulls. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Hit that little thumbs-up button right underneath the video. Takes a millisecond, and it helps us out a lot. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, CHGO Sports, if you aren't already, so you can get alerts anytime we go live. Uh, And follow us on Twitter. Mark is at MKHoops. Still interacting with Fred for some reason. I don't know. I muted him months ago, and my life has just wildly improved. Will is at Won't Gotly. Make sure you're checking out his latest at allchgo.com. I'm at Bulls underscore Peck. Shout out and appreciation to our pal and our producer, Joey, working behind the scenes. Like like the video. Like the video. I'm not not ending the stream until every single person likes the video. Like the video. All right. Well, Joey, please like it. I want to go eat dinner. I'm going to get up and go. Yeah, I got to eat some dinner. Um, All right. That's it until next time. Mark, nice to see you, buddy. Come back again soon, would you please? I will. I will. All right. For Joey, for Mark, for Will and myself, appreciate you. Love you, Bulls Nation. We'll be back tomorrow for some Friday fun to round out the week. See you, Red. Be good.